broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, Raider Nation, back in the studio, the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio for another three hours, three hours long, three hours strong. Demond Cotton behind the wheels of steel. And, of course, your boy Q here navigating with you through this afternoon. This will be the final afternoon that we're actually in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Tomorrow will be at the M Resort. Remember, 12 to 3.15, kind of having Q's kickoff and Unnecessary Roughness and JT the Brick Show all combined in one. <laughs> right? We'll uh, pass the sticks on around 3.15 to JT the Brick and Eric Allen for the official pregame show leading up to Raiders kickoff. Raiders Rams from SoFi Stadium Thursday Night Football. Very excited about that. So we'll be at the M Resort tomorrow and then we'll be at Buffalo Wild Wings. Miracle Mile Mall will be there on Friday. So the last day that I'll be here in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. So we're going to make it a good one. Got a lot to get to on today's show. And of course, Raider Nation, as always, we want to hear from you at 702-365-9200. I see the phone lines already lighting up. Plus the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword r will be able to interact throughout the course of the show. But as mentioned, plenty to get to on today's show. Coming up about 240, Ryan Dirud. Uh, L.A. Football Network, He's uh, he joined us last week to talk about the Chargers. He'll join us to talk about the Rams, get us another update on the Los Angeles Rams. And there's uh, uh, there's some news when it comes to the injury report when it comes to the Rams. Also news when it comes to the injury report and the Raiders. So we'll go over the injury report in just a little while. But Ryan Dyrud will join us at 2.40 to talk about the Rams, uh, dip a little bit into Baker Mayfield. I'm not really going to look into him too much. I mean, we had a fill of our conversation on Mayfield yesterday, so we're not going to spend a whole lot of time with him the rest of the, well, today or tomorrow, and then we'll just see what happens on Thursday. But uh, Ryan Dyrud, again, L.A. Football Network will join us at 2.40 at 3.30. Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports. She'll join us to talk all things UNLV. And I'll, let me just pause right there as DeMond is, is rocking his UNLV hat. He's got his Raider Nation Radio 920 t-shirt on. So you heard it. Barry Odom. He is the new head coach of UNLV. We had his official press conference airing on our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, earlier today. There was also a reaction show with Steve Cofield and JVT. And uh, what do you think, man? What did you think when you heard the – the? first of all, did you listen to the, the new head coach of the Rebels? Uh, no, I was at Media Day for UFC 282 and also Power Slap as well. Power Slap? Yeah, the Media I Day I Power that. Slap any of those guys. <laughs> I don't know, Q. I'd like to see you try. No, I'm not going to try to do that. No, thank but you. But no, I, so I did catch a little bit as I was leaving. I did catch a little bit of the reaction show with uh, Steve Cofield and JVT. Okay. So I heard their thoughts on it, and they seem a little bit more, you know, like, hey, I'm going to give them a chance. That's, that's all I can say. That's all I can say. So you're I'm, still not convinced that he's going to be a decent coach? You're still on the fence with this? No, I'm I'm on the fence of, hey, we got to see. No, I mean, that's I'm, every coach has to prove themselves. Exactly. But I just kind of I want to know at 203 what your temperature is on Barry uh, Odom. Are you feeling okay about him? Are you yeah, I'm feeling, feeling okay? I've come down since yesterday. Yesterday I was hot because you called me out on the tweet and it's like, oh, because he's never heard of him. And well, and, you hadn't exactly. <laughs> and that's one of and but you, see, that's a good thing. I I had never heard of Matt Rule until he went to Baylor, and guess what? It turned out great. Mm-hmm. I had never heard of Dave Aranda until he took, and he was actually a guy that was in the UNLV. UNLV people knew who Dave Aranda was before. I I did, and Dave Aranda ended up going for LSU, and 
UNLV was interested in him. They didn't mm-hmm. get him. Yeah. Baylor did, and he worked some good magic there. So just because you haven't heard of him don't mean he's not going to be a good coach. No, I did hear Dave Aranda because I was like, hey, on that train no, as because, well. Yeah, because he was the guy that was talked about being the coach here. But I guess it's when it comes to the prestige or, you know, like that cachet, like I said in that tweet, where you want someone that has a little bit of a name because a name means something. Look at Colorado. I'm not saying you got to go out there and get Dion, but it's just when it's sometimes the splashy hire, even if it doesn't work out, it gets the fan base excited. Okay. All right. Well, we'll talk to Paloma Villacana. I'm sure you'll have a lot of questions for her. She was all over this uh, from the very jump, from the minute that uh, he was announced and the and the name started rolling out. She was one of the first ones that went out and confirmed that he was the hire, and she was there today for the press conference, so she'll have her thoughts. She'll join us at 3.30 to talk all things UNLV. I'm interested to see uh, what DeMond has to ask Paloma about Barry Odom, the new coach at UNLV. I'll tell you, when he sat down with, uh, with Steve Cofield and JVT, I thought – I thought, I mean, I thought dude was spot on, right? And and I know that it's just winning the press conference. I get that. But he sounded he sounded like he he was ready to take on this challenge and sound like this is a place he wanted to be. And there's something to that. There's something to be going somewhere where you want to be as opposed to just going somewhere where they hired you. Because you can go, anyone can get a job. I can get a job anywhere. But I wanted to be here in Las Vegas. And so I'm going to put more into it than I would if I just was like some other station that decided they were going to give me a little bit of money and said, hey, Q, you want to come work here? Yeah, okay, because I want to get out of where I'm at, but this is where I want to be. So when I you want to be somewhere, you get a little bit more excited, get a little bit more energy, and put a little bit more into it. So I, I think he wants to be here. I think that's a big deal. Yeah. Also, a telling thing I didn't hear I didn't hear it in the press conference, but Paloma put it in a tweet where the president or the AD said we want to bring in people who are going to embrace the community. That was a part yeah. of the tweet. Yeah. And to me, that was a real hint hint mm-hmm. about the people and the coach that they brought in embracing the community. Right. I mean, and let's not beat beat uh, around the, the bush. The last guy didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest about it. The okay, last I'm, guy uh, didn't, let's right? Be honest. Okay, good. You know, I mean, there was a lot of questions about, you know, just him and the way he interacted with a lot of different people. Uh, sometimes it was it was fair uh, criticism. Sometimes it was unfair. But the word was out there. And so when you have that, that, that bad, you know, that bad kind of, uh, you know, publicity, I guess, following you, it, it leaves a bad taste in people's mouths. So Barry Odom has an opportunity to do exactly what he said, embrace the community. They got a big-ass stadium they play in, in Allegiant Stadium, right? And you see what it looks like. You've been to plenty of UNLV games. You see what it looks like when it has UNLV fans in there. It's not, it, it's not represented very well. Yeah. His job is not only to get that football team where it needs to be, but it's also to get the fan base fired up again about the team and get them out there. And, and, and winning, winning will do that. Yep, that's all That's all I want because I'll, I'll say this story and it means absolutely nothing, but it means something to fans. I ate wings with Tony Sanchez once, but it's just, it's just that's the previous UNLV coach before Marcus Arroyo for people who don't know. But when it comes to embracing the community, being out there and people actually wanting to get behind the head coach yeah. speaks a lot. That's the point I'm making. Right, no doubt, no doubt. So Paloma Villacana will join us at 3.30. We'll talk all things UNLV and the new hire, which is Barry Odom. And oh, we'll talk a little Running Rebels as well as they're the, one of 10 undefeated uh, college uh, hoop squads left in the country. And they're playing tonight at the DLC right there in Henderson, the Dollar Loan Center. So it uh, should be a fun game right there. Uh, they're t- Hawaii's coming in. So uh, should be Hawaii. it will be Hawaii and, uh, and UNLV at the DLC. So that should be fun to, to, to see how that shakes out. So we'll talk about all things UNLV athletics at 3.30. 4 o'clock, the voice of the silver and black, Jason Horowitz, will join us uh, as he prepares to get on a plane and head to L.A. and get ready for this game. And, of course, him and Lincoln Kennedy will do a fantastic job. Uh, After I pass the sticks on to JT the Brick and Eric Allen, they'll pass the sticks on to Jason Horowitz and Lincoln Kennedy for the official, uh, you know, the official call of the game for Thursday, Thursday Night Football, Week 14. I can't say that enough because it's just like, man, 
It's already week 14, but uh, that's exactly what it is. So Jason Horowitz will join us coming up at 4 o'clock. We also have some locker room sound that we need to get to. Meek Robertson, Isaiah Polamoa uh, also will be some, uh, some, some guys that you hear throughout the course of the show. So uh, that, now that you know the guests that we have, Ryan Dyru, 240, Paloma Villacana, 330, Jason Horowitz at 4, and, of course, Meek Robertson, Isaiah Polamoa, you'll hear from them as well. Let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. And really, before we get involved into the opening drive, I want to go over the Raiders injury report for uh, for today, which is basically like a Friday if it was a regular week. And uh, we'll find out about more actives and inactives about 90 minutes before kickoff. But there's uh, a few guys that are out for the silver and black. So I want to go over the injury report really quickly. And I think the one with the biggest names out for, for the Raiders tomorrow is quarterback Rocky Yassin. Uh, he had a knee injury. He left the game on Sunday with that knee injury, did not return, didn't participate uh, Monday, Tuesday, or today in practice. Uh, he's actually someone that I asked head coach Josh McDaniels about earlier today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, him and Andrew Billings. And uh, he said, well, well, we'll give it a go. We'll see what they look like, and we'll make a decision later on this afternoon. Well, they made a decision that both him and Andrew Billings are both out for the game tomorrow. So no Rocky scene. I think that's a much bigger deal than Andrew Billings. You saw what the defensive tackles were able to do last week without uh, Billings, so I think that they'll be okay. But uh, Rock is a guy that's played – Pretty decent, right? He hasn't been as great and lights out as some people, you know, kind of make it seem. But with the uh, ret- return of Nate Hobbs and the fact that they're able to play that man-to-man coverage, that's something that Rock is able to do a lot better. You know, be able to get physical at the at the line of scrimmage. So not having him out there, I think, is going to be a big deal. So no Rock Yassine, no Andrew Billings. Both those guys have been ruled out officially by the Raiders for tomorrow's game. Also, Jesper Horstead, the tight end, been dealing with a concussion. He is still out. And then also, Jayon Brown, he left the game on Sunday with a hand injury, and uh, he has been ruled out for Sunday. And that's unfortunate as well. He's been, he's been injured a lot this season. I actually had somebody on, on Sunday. It was so funny. Jayon Brown had made a play, and he's a good linebacker. Remember, he was a guy, one of the guys that we were excited about heading into the season. I thought that was a good free agent acquisition that the Raiders uh, had. But he's been injured so much, and so he hasn't really been able to do – too much of at all, but he made a play, and I don't know what play it was, but he did something happen. He made a play on uh, on Sunday, and I thought I was like, "Oh, great!" You know, great, great play by by Jayon Brown. And someone tweeted at me, "Is like, yeah, you never give him any credit." And I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> like, Q never gives him any credit. I was like, "What? What, what do you mean?" Uh, and I remember it was so funny because he's like, he said something about well, one of the best uh, cover cor- cor- cover linebackers that the Raiders have is uh is not playing. I was like, he's injured, right? I mean, <laughs> he he was hurt. He had a hamstring injury earlier. Now he's got a hand injury. I mean, it's just unfortunately for Jayon Brown, he's been injured quite a bit. I think he's a really good linebacker. But if he's not playing, he's, he can't do anything for the team. Just that simple. And also something that where his absence will be missed is also Luke Masterson. Not to take shots at him, but there were some moments in that Chargers yeah. game where it was just, ah, that inexperience showing a little yeah. bit. Looking in the backfield too yep. much while Austin Eckler's creeping out for, you know, a, a sizable gain, not nothing like that. Yeah. That's breaking the back of the Raiders, but ah man, a more experienced. I linebacker remember exactly what play you're would, talking would been, about. Have yeah. their eyes on Austin Eckler there, because I mean, and that's and that's what's funny when when coaches always say just do your job. He was trying to make a play instead of doing his job, right? I mean, Eckler was the guy he was supposed to make sure wasn't able to leak out like that. He was on, on top of him, and instead, like you said, he had that one quick look into the backfield trying to make a play, and then boom, Eckler got the ball, and it was like a 16 yard gain. It was mm-hmm. a pretty big deal, and I remember that exact moment. I don't, I don't remember what quarter it was or whatever, but I remember that exact moment. I looked over, and Amber Theo Harris was sitting right next to me. I was like, you got to do your job. got to do your job. You do your job, that play doesn't happen, and that's the difference between 
uh, undrafted free agent that's still learning the game and a Jayon Brown who's very familiar with the game. And so most likely he probably doesn't do that. I mean, maybe he does, but as a veteran, you would think that he shouldn't be able to do it. I mean, he should know that, hey, I got to make sure I, I I leak out with the guy trying to leak out so I can stop that play from happening. So, yeah, I mean, those little things like that is a big deal. It really is. So, Jayon Brown being out uh, to me is a big deal. So, those are the guys that are officially out for the Raiders, out for the Rams. And I think the one person that everyone's paying attention to is Aaron Donald. He is officially out. Uh, there was a lot of thought that he was going to be out, and uh, he has been ruled out by the Rams. So the Raiders will not face him. They will not face uh, linebacker Traven, Traven Howard. Uh, they will not face linebacker T- uh, Terrell Lewis, who's got a back injury. He's been ruled out. Defensive back David Long Jr. with a groin injury. He's been ruled out. So all four of those guys, Donald, Howard, Lewis, and Long Jr., are all been ruled out by the Rams. And guys that are questionable are, let's see, Troy Hill, the cornerback. Also, uh, Lance McCutcheon. Uh, he's dealing with a shoulder injury. He's a wide receiver. He's questionable. John Wolford, the quarterback, who I think is probably going to play. <laughs> I mean, just gut feeling tells me he's going to play. He is questionable. Uh, we'll see what happens with him. And then Brandon Powell, the wide receiver, uh, he has an illness, and he wasn't listed Monday or Tuesday, but he was ill today, so he's questionable for tomorrow. But those are the those are the injuries, and obviously the big one when it comes to the Rams is Aaron Donald. He is officially out, and we'll see what happens with the quarterback position. Again, we talked about Mayfield in great length yesterday. I'd be shocked if he plays, but if he does, so be it. If you can't beat Wolford and you can't beat Baker Mayfield after you know after only being uh, on, on the team for a day and a half or so, then you probably don't deserve to win the game anyway. Exactly, and I think we've both forgotten. I'll say for myself, the backup quarterback to Wolford, I can't remember his name. I know we talked about him a little bit, but um, he's an undrafted rookie. So it's yeah. that quarterback room is looking real slim. Right. It's uh not Bryce. It's um oh, I forgot. I do forget his name, but it starts with a B. <laughs> so I guess that tells you <laughs> yeah. all you need to know. Um, but they're not very high on him. That's what I do know. They're they're not very high on him. Either way, if you can't beat any of those cats, then that's on you, right? I mean, we're talking about this three game winning streak, which everyone's excited and fired up about. And I do believe it's gonna be a four game winning streak. My mom hit me up earlier today and she was like, Hey, take it to the bank. The Raiders are winning tomorrow. I was like, Oh, hey, <laughs> slow your roll there. Let me go on and back up. But no, I told her, I said, no, I feel the same way. I, I feel like they definitely should go to L.A. and pick up this dub. If you have Baker Mayfield uh, a, a game in a, or a day and a half on the roster, you have Wolford who's dealing with injuries, and you have a guy that we can't even remember his name as the third quarterback. And again, it starts with a B. I want to say it's, it's either Bryce or Bruce. I don't know. Now that I say it, I'm, I'm completely wrong. Perkins. Right? Bryce Perkins. Boom. There it is, Perkins. There it is. So I was close. Uh, I knew it started with a B, and then I pulled up Perkins. I don't know where I pulled that from, but I got it. So there you go. If you can't beat any of those three, if they, you know, carve you apart or whatever the case is, I know the Rams have a, a good defense still. I know Jalen Ramsey's out there. I know they got, you know, they're not going to just roll over. They're going to give you everything you got. But if you go into this game and you can't beat those guys, then then you just weren't going to win the game anyway. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. So uh, there you go. There's the injury report. Uh, for the silver and black and for the Rams. We'll tweet that out in a little bit at your boy Q254 at R&R 920 AM if you want to give it a look as well. So uh, we do want to hear from you throughout the course of the show, 702-365-9200, don'tbebroke.com, text line 69187, keyword R&R. This is the question I want to throw out there, though. I feel like Josh McDaniels has matured and grown as a head coach and as a play caller so far throughout the course of the season. And what I mean by that is he had all these weapons that he had to try to figure out how to make work at the beginning of the season. We know how it all shook out. Waller hasn't been available. Renfro hasn't been available. Both goes, those guys on IR. So I feel like he has like learned his team really well now. And he knows that what he was planning on doing 
is something that he can't do, right? Okay, this is what I was going to do, but this is what my personnel tells me I'm going to do. And we talk about that with coaches all the time. Guys that are so stuck in their, their, their way that they can't change who they are. I think Josh McDaniels has changed his game plan. I think he changed his approach. And instead of trying to make the players fit with what he wanted to do, he's now fitting with what the players do best, right? And that's why I think you see a heavy dose of Josh Jacobs. I think you see a heavy dose of play-action pass. And you see a heavy dose of getting Devontae Adams the ball. When Darren Waller and Renfro return, whenever that is, and I really don't even care when it is, not disrespectful to them, but it's just like you have to worry about the players that are on the field, right? You don't worry about the guys that aren't available yet. So when they do return, though, then you, okay, Darren, this is how we're going to, we're going to fit you in with what is going on now, right? I mean, because the base is there. It's almost like a base defense. You have the base defense. Now, how do you evolve off of that? So Darren Waller will be a, a piece that is brought in. Hunter Renfro is a piece that's brought in. But it doesn't have to be force-fed, right? It doesn't have to be all this great – like, you have the main stake. You got the bone-in ribeye, right? You don't have to have the best, the best side dishes. You just have to have complementary side dishes, and I'm not trying to say that they're only compliments because I think that they're better players than that. But you don't have to force them into being stars immediately, right? You could just you could just just blend them in, just kind of blend it in with what's going on, and then evolve your offense from there. I think that Josh McDaniels has learned how to do that. So I ask you, how much have you seen the growth from Josh McDaniels from Week One to heading into Week 14? And are you in agreement with me? Because if you're not, that's okay. You don't have to be. You can say, no, I still don't think the play calling's very good. To me, the last two, three games, I thought the play calling has been great. I really have. There's always going to be a, a play call that you're not going to like. There's always going to be a play call that I'm not going to like, but we're not pushing the buttons. But I feel like the rhyme, and re, re, uh, the, the rhyme, the rhythm, the reason is all there. And at times, I felt like it was, okay, that play didn't work. Let's go with this play. All right, this play didn't work. Let's go with this play. Right? And I know it's not how he came up with them, but that's what it felt like. So to me... I feel like everything has evolved. What have you seen from head coach Josh McDaniels? I agree with you just about 100% when it comes to the, I would like to say, I know other people on the station have made this point as well, just trying to outsmart the room when it comes to the play calling that he's actually making, where you say, hey, in this situation, this is the play that, that he thinks that the team should run instead of, hey, it's third and five. Forget about what you think will be best in this situation. You got Devontae Adams. Try to get him the ball. That should be the go-to option for let's you know if, by example this third and five play yeah, yeah yeah instead of what you have cooked up like this the perfect scheme for this just get Devontae the ball and I do think that you're spot on when you say hey he's worked more at hey let's just do what we do well and you mentioned those other players coming back hey Darren Waller just hey look this is what Foster has been doing in your absence right and it's worked pretty well yeah and you we all can say you're a better player than Foster Morrow so it should just work out even better for you exactly exactly but it doesn't have to be like force yeah. you know and when, when the First game of the season in, in L.A. against the Chargers, it was like, all right, you got Adams, you got Waller, you got Renfro, you got Jacobs. Make it work. That's hard. That's hard. You know, you want to feed everyone. You want to make sure everyone's involved. You want to, you know, make sure that someone's not feeling some kind of way because some guy gets more targets. You want to try to work all this different magic, but it's hard. And, oh, by the way, you got a quarterback that doesn't really know the playbook either. So he's trying to figure it out. And he's trying to divide the, the you know, the, the passes up and the targets up. And it's just... I think it's not that as easy as it looks. It's not Madden, right? If you get a game, if you get a team like that on Madden, you're like, oh, look out. Look out. You ain't stopping me. Oh, you want to cover Devontae? All right, I got Waller. You want to, oh, I got Refro. That's how we talked about it leading into the season. Like it was going to be that easy. That's not that easy. It's not that easy to put all that together and make it work immediately. Some teams have had success trying to do that. Others haven't. The Raiders have slowly worked their way into it and 
by force because these guys were injured and unavailable. They had to figure it out without the luxury of having all of them at one time. And I think, honestly, that that's helped figure out how to get it done. Again, it established a base. Now they can make that base grow. And when they get those guys back, it can really grow. <laughs> right? Yeah. But it doesn't have to be forced to be you know, some monster machine because it already looks really stinking good. The Raiders are putting up 25, 26, 30 points a game without Waller and Renfro. It can be really an awesome offense, but it's all got to come together. And, and I think the beauty of it is they don't have to force it to come together immediately because what they have right there can win games. That What they have can beat the Rams. What they have can beat the Patriots. What the, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the schedule. They, they can do that. I'm not trying to count the wins before they happen, but I'm just looking at the schedule saying there's not a team that I'm scared of as far as, oh, then the Raiders don't have a chance, even with who they have now. Forget Waller and Renfro if they never come back this season, right? They can win any of those games. And even San Francisco where I thought, hey, that defense is so crazy, now with the quarterback situation, not worried about that either. Really not. I mean, everything's falling into place right now for the Raiders to – be able to be in their lane and not have to get uncomfortable and do what they do. But I'd love to hear from you. 702-365-9200. Also, the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Before we hit that, let me go ahead and get this tweet from Keith. He said, the play calling has gotten better because the players have executed the plays better. Had those bad play calls earlier been more successful, we wouldn't have talked about them. That's a good point, Keith. That's a good point. But a lot of the players that were executing the plays and that we were expecting to execute the plays at the high level – that was their first experience with it as well. So they're learning on the fly too, right? I mean, we're all, we're all still learning everything about what's going on with this team. We're learning the scheme. We're learning what the game plan is supposed to look like, what the team should look like. We're all learning. And those players are the ones out there trying to execute it. They're learning. The trenches have been a big help, offensively and defensively, right? We've had plenty of people call in and say the difference in the, the success that the team's having now as opposed to what it was, was the trenches. Defensively, the edges are getting home. The middle, the interior is getting home, right? They're getting some push. The offensive line has all of a sudden come together, right? I mean, it's hard to concentrate on being able to run the rock uh, successfully and get the ball to all these different weapons successfully if Derek doesn't have any time and Josh has no holes. I mean, so again, players are playing better because now they're, they're becoming one cohesive unit. But I still think that a lot of the play calling is more, it's, it's a better rhythm now. It feels like it's a better rhythm and it feels like and Josh McDaniels has said this. Like, normally he has running back by committee. Josh Jacobs said, no, we ain't going to do that. I'm, I got this. And he had to evolve his game into, all right, he got it. Let's feed him. <laughs> Let's give it to him. That's not easy for everyone to do. Everyone, some people are so stuck in their ways, and we talked about him. Everyone, Paul Gunther was the defensive coordinator. He was hell-bent on doing it his way only. It didn't matter if you couldn't cover man-to-man a lick. He was going to have you in man-to-man, whatever, whatever the case was. Whatever he wanted, you were going to do, whether you couldn't do it or not. And I used to use this as an example. I'm a radio guy. I'm a talker. I'm not a writer. It's like Paul Gunther would be like, Q, I want you to write. I want you to write Collins now in the RJ. But, Paul, I don't write. You do now. Guess what that would have done? I would have failed. Right? I'm a talker. I'm not a writer. Not illiterate, but I'm just not a writer. <laughs> right? It takes, it's an art. There's an art to that. Everything is not just, oh, well, one, you can, one, this guy can do it. Why can't you do it? It's not that, it doesn't work like that. 
And also, I know we're talking about Josh McDaniels right now, but you bringing up Paul Gunther, Patrick Graham's defense. I want to give him the credit it's as well for maturing and evolving. Yes. Because we saw we saw it was a little bit more of the zone, the, doing things with the players were comfortable for a little bit of more of last year's scheme. But now he's he's implementing more of what he wants to do as the season is going along. Where you see a little bit more man. Where hey, Amik Robertson, he got burnt on the you know the play with yeah, Keenan Allen. Well, yeah, but that's one of those he trusts him to be in that spot in man to man defense, and you still love to see it and Justin Herbert just made an incredible play but I do like that there's more man to man on the defense disguising blitzes with the defense he's trusting them more because they're learning the playbook more as the seasons went along right and I feel like the playbook is opening up a little bit right and so as Caesar in Antioch hit us up and shout out to Caesar shout out to Antioch California I represent I kind of disagree with your take, Hugh. I think his play calling has been the same all season. It's the execution from the players in my mind that's been uh, keeping this team from going far. And that's that that could – I mean, that, again, we're not disagreeing, really. I think we're on the same page. But I think his play calling and his understanding of the players is better now. He can understand what they can execute at a higher level. That's the thing about it. I mean, he's not asking He's not asking a, 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 a X to be a Z. He's not asking an engine to be a tire or a tire to be an engine. I mean, he's, not, he's, he's asking guys that do what they do – to do what they do. And I think that that's a big difference. But you're right. The execution is better because there's a better understanding of what's going on. But when you start to do what people do well and you start to call what players do well, it's easier for them to go out and execute and not think about it, just go and play. Yeah, because I will give him credit for that point because yeah. when we when we play the post-game audio, you know, sound from the locker room, all the players were saying execution. So I see where you can where mm-hmm. you come with that. It's absolutely. a valid point. Yeah, because absolutely. the players were they put it on the, excuse me. Yeah. <clears throat> they put execution. it on themselves to yeah. say, hey, we need to execute better. We gotta go out there and execute. And they have been executing better. Where whether it be less drops, running the right routes, being in the right position, doing your job, mm-hmm. the players are coming along as well. You know, they have to do their part as well by executing. No doubt, no doubt. Seven oh two. 365-9200, text line don'tbebroke.com, text line 69187, keyword r I got plenty of uh, feedback to get to, and we don't have Ryan Dyru till 240, so let's go ahead and fire away. Who we got up first? Raider Fish in Berkeley. Raider Fish, start us off, man. Woo! Hey, I love it uh, when we're on the same page, because, you know, I'm calling in to do my fish philosophy of the game and how we're going to win, but part of what I was going to tell you has everything to do with what you just said, man. We got that ESP in working right now. So, number one, let me just answer your question. I'm going to feed into how I think we can win, possibly. In the beginning of the season, uh, it looked like McDaniels was force-feeding a scheme and sacrificing what situations was given us. You know, like, well, there was a few games where we, we determined to run the ball. We're going to run it, run it, run it. And we are overlooking some bits. And this last three-game stretch when we're winning, I'm noticing that, you know what, we're going to use and take advantage of the situation. And there's no coinkydink that our win-loss record is enormously in our favor when Jacobs runs for a buck or more. And what I noticed in these last three games that McDaniels is, I don't care when you get that 100-plus. Because the game itself will make sure you get those yards. So I'm noticing that maturation in allowing what scheme he wants to run, but no matter, excuse me, but not per se in the first or second quarter. So I'm seeing adaptability. Case in point, we were up two touchdowns, and the old McDaniels, you know, even though he's only been here a season, okay, we're about to run it. No, man, he let Carr drop back and take a shot. Uh, and I noticed that he's being unpredictable. Look at the flea flickers and all the stuff. So, yeah, McDaniels is coming to his own. The other piece I'm noticing, 
when we were losing, I called you earlier in the year and said, man, he knows access and knows, but what about Jimmy's and Joe's? Well, look at the locker room celebration. Look at the sideline energy. When we three and those, this car was able to show his feelings. And that's not a coincidence. That's that's good coaching, letting your Jimmy and Joes be the Jimmy and Joes they are. The exits and those will come. Now, let me get into what I think is going to happen uh, for us to win. Number one, uh, we need to rent two or three jug machines, okay, uh, before we practice tomorrow because turnovers, the ball is going to hit our defenders in the hands. I don't care who the QB is. So Merrick may get him one. Uh, Robertson may get him one, but we got to get the jug machines going, okay? I don't want to hear the comment, oh, that's why they DBs. Don't <laughs> drop the ball because the ball is coming. Number two, uh, man, you know what? Those, the Rams got two, two players that I think are what I call charitable dope dealers. In other words, they like to give up the rock, okay? Cam Akers is one of them. Let that dude be charitable. Let him get into his feelings. It's the holiday season, man. We about to have smoked uh, lamb chops tomorrow, okay? Turnovers are coming. And trickeration. You think the fleet flicker was working? McDaniels is the dude that was throwing the ball to Mike Vrabel. I don't know how many times. Look for a halfback or receiver pass. And finally... Uh, Big Daniels is man. That dude is innovative. Okay, so let me let me hold the ball on the tee to get the angle. See, McDaniels is starting to be comfortable bringing that innovation that he knows. Okay, so next, excuse me. The last thing I think is going to happen is we may recover a fumble on a kickoff. Uh, show up, show out, and I'll just win, baby. When you go out. There's Raider Fish in Berkeley. We have the opening drive, and then he has his opening drive. <laughs> Raider Fish in Berkeley just hit us with the opening drive, his opening drive, and said, charitable dope dealers. That was funny. Yo, I, man. I, he lost me after that. Like, I was done. I was done. I know he had some really good points, but I was all I was done is I was fixated on charitable dope dealers. Because they like to give up the rock. Is that what he said? That is exactly what he said. That is funny. Let's get one more quick call in. Who we got? Gangster Raider. Gangster Raider. Good luck following that one up. Yeah, I was kind of salty at first when um when he told me I was going at the fish, but I feel honored to <laughs> follow up at now. You know what I'm saying? That was a great call. You know what I mean? And, um, the brother really, like he said, they like to give up the rock chair to a dope dealer. Hey, That's he said like he's from the, he's like he from L.A. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I'm pumped up. I'm so excited about the game. I'm glad it's Thursday night because I don't think I could wait till Sunday. So this is my first um, get time going to the game with my kids here in L.A. and they adults. They 20 and 21. Last time they went to the game with me, I think they was only, what, 15 and 16? So this is my first time taking to my kids as an adult, and I couldn't wait till they finally grew up. And now it's here, and we get to go to the game, so I'm pumped up about it. I don't think I could wait if it was Sunday, so I'm kind of glad it's on Thursday night. And like Fish said, I think um, to, to um, stop our slow start, I think we should start off with a trick play on the first play. Let's, let's do a flea flicker on the first play because they're going to they gonna be trying to stop the run. I think we're going to come out with Josh Jacobs trying to run the ball. Then we pass it back to um, Derek Carr. Every time we ran it, it's been a touchdown to Adams. So I say we start off the first play of the game with a flea flicker. You know what I'm saying? And also, I think that um, as far as you're talking about Josh McDaniels and the play calling, I don't think the play call has changed. I think his philosophy has changed because I thought he had little respect for the running back position when he first came to the team. But now he sees that Josh Jacobs is not just any running back. He's a Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer, elite running back. And 
you just can't treat him like any old running back by committee. And I think once he realized that and he realized that this is Josh Jacobs' team and the team goes as he goes, that's what um, clicked finally with McDaniels. And I think that's what made the team turn around because, you see, he was being so disrespected in the preseason. He played the first preseason game. Now, and you, uh, you, you do not do that with a future Hall of Famer and a caliber back that Josh Jacobs is. And I think once McDaniel realized what he had and started adjusting and making the proper adjustments to utilize it properly, we're at the place that we are now. You know what I'm saying? Also, as far as um, the defense, I agree with Fish. I think we should get multiple um, defenders' hands hitting the ball. All we got to do is catch them. You know what I'm saying? We yeah. should have at least two or three um, turnovers, and um, we should come out and rock. I'm going to have on a white Jacobs jersey tomorrow because that's, that's the only jersey, Jacobs jersey I got is a white one. But um, it's not a home game anyway, so I don't feel bad about rocking a white jersey to the game. But everybody else come black out. You know what I'm saying? I can, I can do it because I'm Gangsta Raider. But everybody else, <laughs> everybody else come blacked out. Let's black out SoFi Stadium because that's our vacation home. And I'll be up there tailgating from 2 o'clock in the paint lot with my Raider Riders crew. You know what I'm saying? Let's get it. Let's go. Raiders! L.A. style. I'm gone, as you were. There he is. A fired up Gangsta Raider right there. Going to be wearing white. Told everybody else to show up in black. But he gonna. It's like a, a white party for Gangsta Raider, but everybody else got to show up in black. That's hilarious. That's a good one. But I'm Gangsta Raider. That's what I mean. <laughs> well, hey, we're on fire today. <laughs> Between Raider Fish and Gangsta Raider, boy, what else do we need, man? We are fired we up need one today. To smash him. Oh, he'll call. We got him. We got him coming in. Uh, Eddie. Well, you know, let me go back to what Gangsta Raider said, though, about McDaniels and, and, and treating Josh Jacobs differently. I, that's... What you said about it, I think is that's part of maturation, right? That's part of maturation. He looked at the running back as running back by committee because that's what he always does and then realized, hey, this guy is more special than just running back by committee. I can ride this guy, and this team goes as that guy. That's part of being a, you know, a more mature coach and starting to learn who your personnel is. I mean, look, he's learning these guys too. It's not like he's been with this organization like he was in New England for all those years, winning ring after ring after ring. This is brand new for him too here. So as they're trying to get to know him, guess what he's doing? He's trying to get to know them too. So it always takes time to get to know who you have with you. Like me and Damon have been doing this show now for you know almost two years. It'll be two years in, in, in July of 2023. We know each other pretty damn well now. But day one, we didn't know. I didn't know what Damon was capable of. He didn't know what I was capable of. And I think that, story. I, th- I mean, seriously, like, and that's, but that's, rea- that's, that's natural. That's what everyone does. You don't know everyone from a distance. You know, I mean, I could say, oh, yeah, man, DeMond's a cool dude because I've worked with him or I've talked to him a couple times on the phone. I don't know until I do sit down and do a two- or three-hour show with him who he is. And then I still don't know until, you know, some time goes by. Then I realize, oh, okay, this dude's got this. This is what he's capable of doing. Okay, hey, this, that's all part of maturation. So I agree with, uh, you know, with treating Josh Jacobs differently or using him differently, at least, I, I think he's always respected him as a player and a running back. But I think you, you realize now, and he realizes now, he's a special player. Uh, Eddie sent a tweet and said, Q, I also think that McDaniels is more comfortable with his own playbook. Seems like the first half of the season, it was taking forever to get the play calls in, giving Derek no time to read the defense. Sunday, they're breaking the huddle with like 15 or 20 seconds left on the clock. Have you noticed that? And that, I'm glad you brought that up, Eddie. Thank you for the tweet. That's something that we talked about in the preseason, Right. We always said, man, the way that these play calls are getting in so quickly, that's good. You know, the, the quarterback's able to get to the line of scrimmage, do whatever he's got to do, and then, boom, be able to snap the ball instead of having to always three, two, one, and you see Derek, hurry, hurry, hurry. Like, they, they, it's, it's starting to be a better rhythm 
with the play calling. So yeah, I definitely agree that that is that is also part of it. Which also, you know, you talking about getting more comfortable with his own playbook. That's also part of the maturation. You know, again, these players can do what this player could do. This okay. Hey, it's third and five. I know who who can who could do what. I know who could pick up five yards. I know who can get, extend the drive. I know what plays to call with this personnel that we have. That's all part of it. And that's what I've been noticing. And that's why I wanted to bring it to the table and ask the question: How have you seen? Hey, Coach Josh McDaniels, uh, how much growth have you seen from him? How much maturation have you seen from him? And if you haven't seen any, that's okay. You can say that as well. 69187, keyword R&R. That's our don'tbebroke.com text line, 702-365-9200. That is our phone line. Don't hit us up on the phone lines yet because Do- Ryan Dyrood, LAF- LA Football Network, he'll join us next to talk all things Rams. It's Red Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Ryan Dyrud, LA Football Network, should be joining us in a matter of seconds to talk all things Rams. Got a tweet on our, or got a text on our don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R, talking about McDaniels and his growth. 707 said, I'm not giving McDaniels too much credit for these wins just yet. There were some very questionable calls in Seattle that would be glaring if it was an L. Going to take a playoff berth to make up for the early season faults, in my opinion. That's fair. That's fine. Uh, again, I said there's going to be questionable calls, questionable you know decisions in every game. We're going to pick those apart. Uh, I know I'm going to – there's plenty of calls that I look back at and say, yeah, I don't know. But it just seems to me like he's a lot more comfortable and a lot more uh, – he's he's grown, I feel like, uh, as a play caller with the players that are around him. That's that's really kind of my main point to the whole conversation. But keep that feedback coming. We appreciate that. Again, the don'tbebroke.com text sign is 69187, keyword R&R. Joining us now on the phone lines from the L.A. Football Network is Ryan Dyrud. And, Ryan, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We definitely appreciate you. And uh, we know the situation with Aaron Donald. We know the situation with the quarterback position and Baker Mayfield being picked up off waivers. But one area of that team that is still really good, even without Aaron Donald out there, is still that defense. What have you seen from that defense, even though the Rams are you know, on a, currently on a six-game losing streak? Hey, guys. Yeah, thanks, thanks again for having me on. Really appreciate it. But, yeah, it's been kind of, uh, you know, don't ask the fan base because I think they would <laughs> say differently, but just statistically and in terms of where this team sits, the defense has definitely been uh, the bright spot of this team. And, you know, they've got a lot of young players on that back end outside of Jalen Ramsey's. Uh, you know, a lot of rookies are playing in that secondary. Um, they've gotten some great linebacker play from Bobby Wagner and Ernest Jones. And the D-line, which usually is the strongest part of the defense, but outside of Aaron Donald, has actually been a little weaker this year. Mm-hmm. But they've still been able to keep this team in games. And even now, a six-game losing streak, outside of one of them, they've pretty much been in almost every single game. So definitely the defense has been kind of a bright spot. And, you know, Raheem Morris is probably going to be a head coach next year, I bet. Yeah, you know, and I was looking at that, that last game they played against Seattle, and the Raiders, you know, it took overtime for the, the Raiders to beat Seattle. And I'll, I'll tell you, man, the Rams were in that game, even winning that game, and it was a dogfight. And obviously Seattle ends up winning, but uh, it really stood out to me that these guys, even though they're on a six-game losing streak right now, there's no quit in them. Well, I think we've talked about this on our show, too. I think the last two weeks against the Chiefs and the, and the Seahawks have been Sean McVay's best coach game this season. And, you know, that's without his starting quarterback, without a star receiver, without a running back, without, you know, some tight offensive line, obviously everyone knows that. And so I think it says a lot about where McVay's at and kind of his coaching tenure and and the buy-in he got from his team. And a lot of these guys, 
honestly, are, you know, they're just, they're fighting for their resume and whether it's with the Rams or another team, you know, they're out there battling for, you know, next year's paycheck or, or a potential starting spot somewhere. And, you know, they've kind of banded together and played well. Cause I mean, they took, you know, with Bryce Perkins, third string quarterback, they took the chiefs to the end there and it was a one possession game for a while. And then obviously last week, like you mentioned, had the lead on, uh, before the last possession against the Seahawks. So, you know, hats off to Sean McVale. He's really kind of kept these guys together, stayed focused. And, you know, for, for us covering the team, these last two weeks have actually been the most fun games to cover. And it's like, all right, we see some dog in the fight. There's at least some battle out there, which is good. What have you seen from Bobby Wagner? I mean, he's a guy that was it was a big surprise that, you know, Seattle let him go. I, I guess it was a surprise maybe to, to people on the outside like me and not people in Seattle. But uh, I feel like he's really got some juice uh, still left. And you mentioned him earlier that he's been playing really well. What has he been doing? What, what, I mean, has, is it part of him why this team is stuck together? Yeah, I mean, so it's kind of up and down with Wagner and, and not in a bad way. I still kind of, and this was my opinion kind of back when they signed him, I don't think he fits particularly well in this system. Mm. You know, to me, he's a, he's a much more, I mean, he's great. Right? He's going to be all of fame one of the best backers we've seen. But to me, he fits better in a very, you know, box backer that can really just be a GPS of the football, take run uh, ball carriers down, which he's done great at for the Rams. But in this system, they ask backers sometimes, to be great in space and in coverage. And I just don't think that's his forte where sometimes he can kind of get lost in space, but great leadership, you know, outside of Aaron Donald and Ramsey, he, he, you could even argue he's ahead of those guys in terms of leadership, a little more outspoken. Uh, you know, he's a SoCal guy originally being down here playing in the IE and stuff. So, uh, but he's been great for this defense. And I know Raheem Morris leans on him heavily. Uh, you know, he's got the green dots and never comes off the field. And, and he's a guy that has learned stuff. Um, and he's, you know, it's been great for this team overall. There's just some scheme fits that aren't the best, but, you know, a player of his caliber is still going to be one of the best players in the field regardless. Talking all things rounds right now with Ryan Dyrud from the L.A. Football Network here on Radio Nation Radio 920. DeMond's got one for you. Yesterday we talked a lot about Baker Mayfield and the potential if he plays in the game, but a quarterback who may get the start, the start Bryce Perkins, can you tell us a little bit more about his game? Yeah, we're out here already making T-shirts. Let Baker bake out here. So <laughs> excited to see what uh, – could potentially happen, but you know Perkins is a—he's a fun quarterback, you know, out of Virginia, extremely athletic. You know, and this is not—it's going to sound disrespectful. It's not meant to be, but he doesn't have the arm talent to be an NFL QB, but certainly can do stuff that is—you uh, know—keeps the game going. And he was a starter against Kansas City, and he kept these Rams in that game. Now they obviously didn't get a high point total, but they're able to move the football and do some fun things. And what's been kind of the bright spot, guys of these younger quarterbacks, these backups, you know, Walford starting last week and now Perkins getting a start and potentially another, is that we're seeing some of the other receivers that this fan base has been clawing to see. One forgotten name, 2-2 Atwell, former second-round pick. Mm. But because those guys practice together more in practice, there's that connection and familiarity there. So we've seen 2-2 now. Last, last week had six total touches, two catches, four rushes. And there's, you know, first seven weeks of the season, he was a healthy scratcher or didn't even get on the field. So that's been, I think, the really bright shine of seeing these other quarterbacks play. And, and Perkins, you know, has that ability. And he's one of those guys that even without the, the great arm talent or the arm, you know, strength of, of a Stafford, he can still wow you and excite you with certain plays he can do, which makes, you know, makes still for a fun football game that you probably know you're going to lose. <laughs> Okay, so you mentioned that it still makes for a fun football game. What is head coach Sean McVay? Because we all know the profile, offensive genius, remembers every play that was ever called. But <laughs> how has he been able to not shrink his playbook, but still make it digestible for these backup quarterbacks? 
Yeah, I mean, luckily, Walford and Perkins have been here for quite some time. Perkins, I think this is his second or third year. Walford's been here, you know, two or three or four. So, so they, I think, are pretty well versed in this playbook. Uh, but you obviously are going to shrink stuff down just because the collective unit is not stopped. I, mean, I think there's literally like two starters left on offense, period, playing right now uh, in this season, if even that. I think Higby might be the only one currently, and they might be getting Brian Allen back at center. So, uh, or Hayden's been at right tackle, excuse me. But, um, but yeah, I mean, he's shrunk some stuff down, but he's also brought some stuff back that we saw in, in past years. Some like, that we haven't really seen with Stafford and some more boot rollouts that they did a lot with Goff and they kind of got away with, with Stafford. Now we've seen a lot of those boots and getting the, the quarterback in space and kind of letting them just use their athletic ability and take a lot of the thinking out of the game, which I think he trusted. Matthew Stafford to do because of his resume and what he's able to do from the pocket. But now it's like, you know, Walford Perkins, get out in space, use your athletic ability to, you know, have some fun and just kind of throw the ball around the yard. And we've seen that a lot more these last three weeks. And, you know, I'd expect we'll see it this week as well. And, you know, we, we did our show last night, guys, and we, there's no credible source on this necessarily, so don't quote me, but we think we will see some Baker Mayfield this week, even though he would only be on the team for a very short amount of time. I'm running wild with it, sources <laughs> say. Um, but how's this offensive line look? Because you mentioned how they only have one or two starters from, I guess, an opening day. So what is this offensive line looking like? Looking like Max Crosby probably have four or five sacks on uh, uh, Thursday. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's tough sledding. You know, the guys are playing hard. Um, they're doing their best. But they, you know, lead the league. I think they're up to now 13 different offensive line combinations throughout the season. You know, it's a new one every week. And then even in games, there's the new combinations because of injuries. So, you know, it's a turnstile. Guys are battling. Guys are playing hard. But I think that's why, actually, they've seen a little bit more success in moving the ball these last two weeks. Because, like I mentioned, getting the quarterback out of the pocket, getting them in space because that pocket collapses very, very quickly and is not somewhere the quarterback wants to be. Because, unfortunately, there isn't the the talent. There isn't the... um, you know, the camaraderie, I guess I would say, or at least the compatibility because of playing together for, for instances of time. And there just hasn't been that since essentially week one uh, when they started losing guys. So it's a, it's a tough group. Uh, they're fighting hard. But, yeah, it's not one that uh, is going to stop too many opposing defensive lines. Ryan, final question for you. As far as Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams go, they've got something really good cooking as the Raiders are on this three-game winning streak. How do you think, uh, you know, the, the, the Rams try to defend those two guys and not try to allow them to get off too much? Yeah, I, it's, it, that's going to be obviously a tough unit. You know, I think they, the Rams have done fairly well against the run. I mentioned Bobby Wagner and Ernest Jones. His backers uh, have been really well. Obviously, not having Aaron Donald certainly um, makes that less of an attainable goal. As far as Devontae Adams go, you know, Jalen Ramsey hasn't had a great season this year. I don't think it's getting talked about a lot, but since we cover the team, obviously, every week, you know, he gave up that game-winning touchdown to, uh, to Metcalf last week, and he's had other instances of doing that throughout the season. Still a very, very good corner. So I would expect him to be kind of shadowing Devontae. But in this Raheem Morris system, you know, you play a too high shell, you know, kind of soft coverage. So you're not trying to give up that big play. So I definitely would expect to see a lot of yards for the Raiders. And, you know, Derek Carr be very efficient with kind of a short passing game, getting Devontae involved early and often in those short intermediate routes. Um, and then we'll see if this Rams defense is able to kind of clamp down the red zone, which they've done fairly well for most of the game. And unfortunately, the last couple of weeks, it's been that last ending drive where they uh, haven't been able to hold up. But I would expect to see a lot of usage for both Jacobs and Adams, but we'll see if they get the big play or not. Ryan Dyrude is his name. L.A. Football Network is where he's at. And, Ryan, what you got coming out that we should be on the lookout for? Appreciate it, guys. Uh, always got 
content every week. We do eight podcasts a week covering all four teams. Uh, so make sure to check out LASDNetwork.com. And I just got to say, before I get out of here, I mentioned I was in Vegas last weekend. Like a typical Vegas weekend, I left with holes in my pockets because USC lost, US <laughs> national team lost, the Chargers lost, and then the Rams lost on our drive home. So it was, a, it was a rough weekend, but always a great weekend, and I appreciate you guys having me on. No doubt. Thank you so much, my man. And uh, come back next time, and maybe we can you know, get some of your money back. So <laughs> it happens, though. It happens, right? There's air conditioning in the desert for a reason. Just saying. Vegas loses just enough to get you to come back. And not too much more than that. But uh, Ryan Dyrude right there, LA Football Network on Twitter at Ryan Dyrude, LAFB. 253 is the time. Take a quick break. Come back. Close out hour number one. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Q. How much growth have you seen from head coach Joshua Daniels as far as play calling and personnel use? That's what we're throwing out there today. Got a text earlier from the 707. I'm not giving McDaniels too much credit for these wins just yet. There were some very questionable calls in Seattle that would bring, uh, that'd be glaring if it was an L. Going to take a playoff berth to make up for early season faults, in my opinion, which I said, that's fair. That's fine. Not a problem. I think there's going to be calls that we're all going to question probably each and every game, but that's fine. To me, it just feels like he's more comfortable with the players. The players are more comfortable with him. And I know that it wasn't instant success. And I know there's teams that have had instant success, but I feel like there's something that's being built here. And everything from where I'm at, just from my point of view, and only me, and that's why I throw it out there because you have no, there's no problem with you, you know, not agreeing with me. Just seems like it's a lot more comfortable with where they're at and who they're working with right now. And when others return, then they can start to build off that. Uh, the follow-up text from the 707, well, sure, he needs to get to know his players. That's what camp is for. All teams get the same amount of time. Is it going to take until week 12 next season to get the new players in? Not saying that at all. Not saying that at all. Just saying he looks a lot more comfortable right now. And again, slow start, absolutely. Is that what it's supposed to be? No. But it was. And instead of, you know, crying about it and, and just saying, well, this sucks and this guy sucks and that guy sucks and tear it all down and start it over, at least they're finding a way to salvage it. And they're starting to look a lot more comfortable, regardless how it all shakes out. What do we, I asked weeks ago, what do you want to see from the team the rest of the way? And how many people said growth? Well, that's what I'm asking. Are you seeing growth or not? Hardcore Raider, you're up. What's up? What's on your mind? I think it's, I think it's absolutely huge because, I mean, uh, think about, like, John Gruden, you know. I know sometimes we didn't, you know, the red zone was lacking uh, in years prior, but, you know, it always seemed like with uh, Gruden, I loved uh, Chucky, you know, but it always seemed with him that the offense, you know, was very scripted the first part of the game. And, you know, a lot of times it could be successful, but then the second half adjustments, I think, were – lackluster at times and so with mcdaniels the thing that i was most excited about was him being able to adjust and uh we didn't see that at first but i've definitely seen a change um you know these last few games and i think we're seeing the product on the field and not just that but i mean how much like does it mean you know for someone like josh jacobs to change the mind of a coach who's coached for over 20 years and has been on a great team with some great players, meaning the Patriots, as much as I hate to say it. But, you know, Josh Jacobs, pretty much, you know, one person almost, like, helped change Josh McDaniel's philosophy on coaching because Josh Jacobs is such a special talent and such a special back. Uh, I, I just think that's massive for one player to maybe help switch some of his philosophy that he's taken with him for a lot of years, you know? 
Yeah, absolutely. Good call. Thank you so much for that. Definitely appreciate you. And again, that's what I'm looking for, right? I'm looking to see, are you seeing the growth? If you're not, that's okay. If you don't see the growth, that's all right. But are you seeing it? I'm feeling like I'm seeing it. I feel like the players are seeing it, right? I feel like the, the players are believing more in the coach. And that happens when you win. Start winning. It's like, okay, I understand what he's saying. I don't know how many players that we talked to in the Raiders locker room following the game on Sunday. It was like, hey, uh, what Coach McDaniels told us earlier in the week, this is how it played out. Like they're, they're believing as well because they're seeing the growth and they're seeing the results of their hard work, which are turning into wins. When we come back, we'll kick off hour number two of the show. We'll actually hear from head coach Josh McDaniels. We met with him earlier today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Plus, coming up at 3.30, Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports. She'll join us to talk all things UNLV as Demond is fired up about Barry Odom as the new head coach of the Rebels. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.